You are in Galaborn. It is 11.04 p.m. on Morndas the 9th of Morningstar. In the eyes of the Law of Daggerfall, you are undependable. You are healthy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Good Grief Podcast, an eclectic walking tour of the Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall. It's about the journey, not the destination, and we are your faithful tour guides. I am Daisy. I'm Jude. When we last left off, uh, we were leaving Galaborn and heading on, continuing on our way to the Tower of Kinging. Uh, we have made some a, a decent amount of progress, but now our next stop is going to be the th- town of Stockworth. Nice, nice and crisp early morning. We're expecting wet snow here in Virginia later today. As opposed to the famously dry snow. Yeah, well, the dry snow when it's so cold, when it's so cold that it doesn't melt at all. Yeah, that's... <laughs> We're expecting what. One to two, one to two, inches of accumulation of slushy goodness. Um, <laughs> it is. We're in an extreme cold warning in uh, Winterpeg today. In it Winterpeg, is minus twenty nine degrees, um, <laughs> without the wind chill, and then it is going to be snowing tomorrow morning, probably. Yeah, ninety percent chance of snow. <laughs> You really just don't catch a break there in in Manitoba. Because, like, it's also really, really hot in the summer. Yeah. Just out on the prairies, we get kind of the the best and the worst of all the weather. All right. So, uh, what are we drinking? I have uh, a classic here. I have water. Oh, wow. I I feel like this section is gonna is not gonna be near as impressive as it might be on other podcasts because I we stream we we stream it at nine in the morning uh, Eastern time. (laughs) Yeah, and not many of us are into morning drinking. (laughs) I mean, we we could be. Who knows? Um, I'm I'm having a coffee with a white mocha creamer that Mm. is seasonal and quite good. It's sneezinal. What makes it sneezinal? Just, it's a limited edition flavor that only comes out in the holiday times. White mocha, white mocha's limited edition? For international delight it is, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, whenever I think seasonal for winter, I always think it's like, oh, it's peppermint. Oh. Or, I, egg, or eggnog. See, or and I don't I like peppermint creamers, though. Um, I don't go out of my way to get peppermint beverages. I've had peppermint mocha that's, like, fine, but it's not, like, my go-to. Like, my go-to Starbucks is, like, the caramel brulee lattes. Those are those are my, my wintertime goodnesses. But Theo got me this one. I, if I could drink pumpkin spice all through the, all through the cold months, I would. But it's usually, usually that goes out of circulation in, like, November. Like, beginning of December, it's not really stocked on the shelves. I know um, Jason in Halifax buys the pumpkin spice creamer by, like, the dozens and then freezes them. Whenever you, know, whenever you say Jason, I just want to go, Jason Derulo. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that, that, that sits well with him and he appreciates that. Jason uh... Derulo. Jason You'd probably find it funny. It's a January, February, March, April, May, and then it's June, and then it turns into Jason. Yeah, because July, (laughs) August, September, yeah, October, October, November. November. And then there's a D, so Jason Derulo. Jason D. Yep, it's Uh like it's like it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Julius Caesar planned this out for us. Uh, definitely planned out the whole the, the the smart thing of having twelve months in a three hundred and sixty five degree cal- day calendar year. That's, that's been a sticking point for Hank Green recently. It's like we could have had a thirteen month year where every month was tw- twenty eight days. Where's every the, month? Where's the fun in that? <laughs> except for except for the last week, which is a fun little short six day week. We could have had every year Halloween would be on a Friday. Every year. Do you ever think about how calendars in general are just like capitalist more than they are natural? As in like the selling of calendars? No, like the way 
that we structure our our weeks like the very concept of like weekends and holidays and stuff like it's all based in capitalism no you're wrong for the most Uh, part it is though nowadays it's nowadays it's what we use it for it was made it was made for growing food i know what's nothing to do with capitalism i know that's how it originated (laughs) but i'm saying nowadays like there's no reason as as industry has evolved i think that the reason that the months and weeks and holidays and stuff were structured around agriculture i think that's become like less and less relevant it's like we could have changed the way that we structure the world maybe to people at large but i mean we still eat food so like you know yeah (laughs) yes I think there are plenty of capitalistic inclusions. Like, why? Like, this, like, like the selling of calendars, for example. No, but why is the week the way that it is? You know? Why do we have Seven a week? Seven days long? Yeah, why do we have a week and a weekend and. You know? That, that sounds like a, a good topic for a future podcast. Maybe. Maybe. But in the meantime, we already have a couple things. Oh, yeah. And you're going first. I am going first. <laughs> uh, okay. So, my topic this week requires a little bit of setup. Oh, boy. Um, so, my <laughs> my partner has been out of town um, in Halifax visiting his partner. Right, right. Um, so, I have been watching his guinea pigs. Um, a couple days mm-hmm. ago, one of his guinea pigs died, which is mm-hmm. very sad. So, I, I do want to dedicate this episode to Tater. Um <laughs> Because okay. he was a yeah. he was a good he was a good little guy. Um, <laughs> I I love guinea pigs. I love small rodents. Um, I used to have one whose name was Pisces. Uh, I ended up rehoming him, and I had a hedgehog named Button for he six years. Me. He did bite you because yeah. you stuck your little fingers in his cage, and he was he old and blind. I, I gave him a little. Sn- I gave him a sniff. Yeah, and animals. and he did a bite because he's blind. <laughs> he was blind and old. He's also died. Um, mm-hmm. rodents don't live a super long time, but I just, I think that they're, they're very cool and nice. I think generally speaking, they're like, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause I, I used to work in a pet store and it's like, guinea pigs are a decent starter animal for someone who's like, just lo- looking to get into having a pet, but they're also mm-hmm. not like, even though they're smaller than a dog, they're not like. You know, oh, I can just get these for my five-year-old and never be responsible for them again. But that's not true because they're still little. They're still little creatures, and they have little little brains. And yeah, so I've been living with um, Pip's Week in in my in my apartment <laughs> now uh, for the last three days or so, um, and he's getting along fine with the cats. But just being in close proximity to this guinea pig made me think about uh, the time that I ate guinea pig in Peru. And That's right. You mentioned that a couple of times. Yes. I went to Peru in the 11th grade uh, when I was in high school. I did not speak Spanish, um, but I went anyways, and I got really sick on that trip. But one of the not because you not because you eat no ironically it wasn't like food poisoning it was more altitude sickness um, yeah yeah because we were there like to tour around and stuff and of course you gotta go to Machu Picchu and all the places. yeah we we went to Machu Picchu we went to um, like lot lots of different spots and one of the places that we went um, sorry, I have a bunch of tabs pulled up. Which is uh-huh. very, you know, you, usually I'm just like, I know enough that I can just talk without opening mm-hmm. a million tabs. However. However. However, today, today so, is a little So different. today's topic is altitude sickness? No, today's topic <laughs> is actually a depiction of The Last Supper by a Peruvian artist. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> With guinea pigs. You gotta you gotta bear with me. Okay, okay. So Peru, as I as I think we know, was colonized by 
Spain yes. throughout, you know, over over many hundreds of years. From kind of the six, 15, late 1500s into uh, the 1700s, so over the course of about 200 years, mm-hmm. um, one of the tools of colonization that was used was a school of painting called the Cusco School of Painting. Okay. Um, Cusco was the former uh, capital of the Incan Empire. Mm. Uh, the Inca were an, and continue to be like they're not extinct by any means. Right. But it's it's very much like they're. It's the not Inca, called the Incan, the Incan Empire. Uh, in, yes. <laughs> was what? the the Incan Empire um, was the you know this very very large and very overall successful uh indigenous land uh Mm -hmm. that kind of went from peru into parts of uh bolivia as well and cusco is the the capital Mm -hmm. um so when spain and when spain was colonizing um south america one of the tools of colonization that they used was this um, school of painting called the Cusco School of Painting. I'm reading from uh, an article here. Uh, Indian and mestizo artists transformed formal and iconographical types from European art to create a uniquely American style of religious painting characterized by brilliant color, flattened space, and a strongly decorative aesthetic. Various Spanish artists and stuff would like do set up residencies at this painting school and teach indigenous artists the styles of um spanish and of baroque especially um painting styles Hmm. um which kind of came hand in hand with the forced conversion to catholicism Mm -hmm. so these were very often portrayals of religious scenes um so replications of for example the last supper but also just generally speaking like the the virgin mary um santa Teresa, uh the magi Mm -hmm. there you know there's there's this very rich history because the school was there for almost 200 years Mm -hmm. it produced some like just this this very like large breadth of different styles again like they started off as as replications of catholic spanish art but they also kind of adapted into just like incorporating indigenous styles and and different different colors slightly different techniques from another article Despite the dominance of European styles, a number of Cusco painters were of Inca origin, and their art often incorporated indigenous elements. Diego Quispe Tito, for example, worked in a unique style that incorporated elements of Italian mannerism and Flemish painting with depictions of local landscapes full of decorative birds. He worked in a small village outside of Cusco, developed his individual style, uh, as is evident in a series of paintings of the life of St. John the Baptist made for the Church of San Sebastian in 1663. Okay. So this is this is kind of the, the setting, right? Um, so when I went to Peru, I did get to go visit, like, quite a few basilicas, and this is... The painting that I'm talking about today, I did actually get to see in person, mm-hmm. um, which was very neat. Um, and so The Last Supper, I think we're all kind of familiar with mm-hmm. the, the concept. <laughs> I'm trusting that people can, people can kind of, like, they can Google this as necessary. But so The, the Last Supper, for those who are, for those who are unfamiliar um, with you know the bible this <laughs> the is bible. yeah the the night before judas betrays jesus or does this happen like the evening of i believe it's the evening of yes yeah but this is basically jesus knows he's gonna get turned he's gonna get betrayed he mm-hmm. knows we know yeah yeah we, um we know Spoilers. we know so in um 
the Italian and the Spanish and just other other depictions of the Last Supper. Um, typically, they're eating lamb, they're eating bread. Um, it's it's not really a it's a very interesting scene to look at. the mo The most famous depiction is by Leonardo da Vinci, mm -hmm. and there's been a ton of just analyses of of this painting the way everyone is seated the way everyone is talking to each other the the way the figures are are presented it's kind of it's fraught with tension and mm -hmm. usually judas who is the you know the one that betrays jesus to mm -hmm. the cops basically yeah romans slash mostly the romans judas is very often singled out in the positioning of the figures and in some depictions is shown facing towards the viewer or facing away from mm -hmm. like just away from the other disciples mm -hmm. and there's like i said this is a very famous scene in in the bible mm -hmm. um so it's been depicted in new york times bestseller the bible yeah new, <laughs> new york times bestseller the bible um <laughs> But it's been depicted by Da Vinci, by Rubens, uh, Tintoretto, pretty much any church that you go to. So obviously, the the basilicas and the churches in uh, in Peru and in South America, where you know every, everyone's trying to push the indigenous peoples into that hot trend of Catholicism, the hot, we hot have trend. to have a de we gotta have a depiction of the Last Supper. So these are like pre-internet in influencers sure <laughs> let's go with that one of the most prolific artists to come out of this uh cusco school of art uh, was actually towards the the end of this uh school's existence uh was marcos zapata or marcos zapaca inca who was a peruvian painter that was born in cusco uh he was one of the last members of the cusco school and he was kind of famous and infamous and the reason he's studied today for bringing elements from his own lands into his painting which is what i'm talking about today mm -hmm. so his depiction of the last supper which i did send to you in chat now has you know a very very similar kind of setup to to da vinci's to you know any of the other depictions of mm -hmm. the last supper that you'll see mm -hmm. um however in the middle of the table instead of lamb jesus and the disciples are eating kui which is the word for for guinea pig and it's usually roasted um or baked it can be boiled this is from the the wiki art description that i just i like the way that they break this down but jesus and the disciples appear to be enjoying a plate of kui shown in the center of the table the inclusion of the kui in this painting is due to the difference in cuisine but is also an example of symbolism Lamb was a sacrificial animal in the Judeo-Christian tradition, but Kui was a sacrificial animal in the traditional Inca ceremonies. Uh -huh. By using a symbol of sacrifice that was more meaningful to the Peruvian people, the artist makes a statement about the sacrifice in the story of Easter. The spread at the table shows that Jesus and the disciples are enjoying chicha, which is a Peruvian drink that I tried. Um, <laughs> it's, it's purple, and it tastes a little weird, but you know... Yeah. yeah, it looks like those are like... Honestly, it was pretty good. <laughs> okay, for a second I thought those were plastic bottles, but no, those are just crafts. Yeah, this was the 1700s. Where are they getting plastic bottles? Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm very used to, like, <laughs> like American takes on art being, like, just <laughs> weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. But no. So they were drinking chicha and also native fruits and vegetables on uh -huh. the table as well. Uh, like potatoes, which are native to South America. And corn. Um, I see corn as well peppers and corn yeah and then we also have the depiction of judas who is in the bottom right hand corner in yes. the red robe he's looking right and at the camera like the office he's looking right into your soul and he has a little bag of money so you know that it's him mm -hmm. and it's believed that he was painted to bear a resemblance to francisco pizarro the Spanish conquistador responsible for the fall of the Incan Empire. Ah, so the Cortez to the Incans, as as it were. Yeah. I mainly know about Cortez, and he's the one who <laughs> the Aztecs real bad. So this this is probably um, Zapata's most well-known work. It's painted in the Baroque style, and Wait, it's still... Well, like, you know it's what I been... say. You know what I say. If, it ain't, if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. All right. 
right. All right, continue. It's painted in the Baroque style and dated uh, to 1753, and it's still, like, it's still preserved. It's still up there. Uh, you can go see it physically. And he he did paint, like, oh, something over, like, 200 works um, that, me- many of which can still be found, but his most famous are... Uh, you know, there's a few depictions of the Virgin Mary, uh, Our Lady of Sorrows, and um, Seated Madonna with the Graduation of the Garcia Brothers. Mm-hmm. Which is he he likes painting cherubs. Just in in his in his artworks, while it's not always as overt as in his depiction of the Last Supper, there's just little little elements whether it's in the colors or the textures and fabrics that he's painting mm-hmm. that are very obvious nods to uh incan and peruvian dress and culture so it was this very interesting and subversive way to insert uh you know his his own culture into something that you know while while he wasn't necessarily forced to make it it was it was a you know this this instruction in this art form was a tool of colonization and mm-hmm. a way to you know make make art like us and make it make it to show how much you love Jesus mm-hmm. and and whatnot. A couple things I'm noticing about uh, this painting. Mm-hmm. For one. Do guinea pigs usually get that big? They, they, I mean, they can. My Pisces was, like, almost as big as, like, he was, he was a big, chunky boy. Because I imagine, like, eating guinea pig being, like, a a, a light snack, considering how small they are. So, (laughs) no. And that's another thing that we can talk about, is um, just the, kind of the culture around eating kui. They are a traditional food. They're not really, like, when you're eating one, it's a, it's a special occasion kind of dish. It's like when you would eat, like, a roast chicken or something, you know? It's not like a everyday kind of meal. What we learned when we were there was that, like, on your birthday, you would, we, when we were on this trip, a couple of my classmates had birthdays, and as a class, we ordered guinea pig at a restaurant but the tradition would be like your family would raise them same as like chickens and they would just kind of be running around so we would go to different houses and there was just a bunch of guinea pigs and on your birthday you would just grab one and that's one that you guys would eat mm-hmm. and typically you would like split it like f- between four people it's it's a very rich kind of tasting yeah meat it's, imagine it's mostly dark meat yeah yeah it's kind of chickeny um, they're very lean, though. They don't have a lot of fat on mm-hmm. them. Um, and they're usually served kind of the same way as fish are. Um, so just with the intestines removed. But everything else is eaten. I ate, I think, a little bit of, like, leg meat. Um, I did not have the stomach to try the brains, but apparently the brain is the best part. And that's mm-hmm. reserved for the birth- birthday person, usually. <laughs> birthday boy gets gets the brain. Yeah. Make you smart. Just if you wanted some of the specs on a guinea pig, sure. adult guinea pigs weigh in at around 0.5 kilograms. Around okay. one, one to two and a half pounds. Okay. Um, and they can measure from 8 to 16 inches long. So like a small, like a small chicken. Peru, Ecuador, and Bolivia are kind of the main areas where, mm-hmm. uh, like, they're still eaten. And when you think about it, like, as a, as a form of agriculture, like, they're easy to raise. They breed like rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're quite small, so, like, they're not taking up as much space it, as, you know, cows or sheep. Mm-hmm. So a household can have like a pretty sustainable access to this kind of food, especially mm-hmm. because of because of the altitude. And if you're not really along the coast, you know, there's there's areas of Peru that, you know, you have very easy access to fish and to fishing. But once you kind of get up into the more mountainous regions, it's like there's ways to grow corn, corn and potatoes, but there's not really a lot of pastures so stuff like beef and pork and like 
sheep as well. Like, it's just not nearly as common. It's just a really different mindset around, mm -hmm. you know, what what what's available to, in, a, to in, addi in addition, um, guinea pigs are indigenous to the Americas, correct? Yes. Cows and pigs are not. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, literally, like if it's alpacas, basically. Yeah. And llamas. So I don't know how good they are for eating. <laughs> I ate alpaca as well. Mm -hmm. I had an alpaca steak and it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was very, it was very tough. <laughs> they, they climb all them mountains. So they got to climb all them mountains. Recently, I did also find um, some alpaca wool that I had bought when I was down there. And mm -hmm. I've been making that into a sweater vest. And also like the red blanket that I've had on my... Uh, on my couch to hide the stains. I also bought in Peru. Oh, you um, bought the couch or no, no, the blanket? No, I bought I bought the blanket. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about Peru lately, and maybe it's because you know it is it is so cold here. I, and you would so like to maybe one day ever travel again. I would love to. Travel again. <laughs> I guess the my my very roundabout topic has been I guess anti-colonial themes in classical art with guinea but pigs. also you know <laughs> guinea and guinea pigs and their tasty tasty brains and their tasty little brains <laughs> that's pretty good you got you got some nice little like branches and limbs to the topic but it's like a full-fledged tree i think i think art history is just it's a really interesting thing and a lot of times the the university courses that i've taken that have kind of touched on art history have all been from a very western lens and even looking at like my majors in gender studies but even looking at pieces of feminist art again like it's all it's all very white and it's all very european or mm -hmm. based in you know based in kind of latin and italian traditions and styles um and then you get into modern performance art and it's it's the same thing it's very western and binarist views of you know what art is and you know how do we subvert it whereas these ways of subverting classical forms and norms and all this stuff like they've they've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and i just think it's really neat to see the ways that artists in sticky positions have kind of you know thrown their little ming middle fingers up so to speak and generally like generally speaking like this this depiction of the last supper like the it would have been pretty easy for the Catholic Church to just be like, all right, well, screw you, we're going to take this down. But they, they left it up, and it still exists. And it's right, still well, they made, Jesus, they made Jesus white, so, like, you know, they don't have a lot of room to stand on. <laughs> yeah, but just the, depi the depiction of, you know, this scene in a uh -huh. specifically Peruvian and, like, Incan yeah, context. It's, it's, like, very obvious with the... <laughs> that is not lamb the main thing in passover like for for passover which is what they're celebrating in the last supper is uh just it's mainly the bread um and the bread is there so yeah. how do i relate this to this game good, very good question how do you okay so hmm as far as are there way, guinea pigs aren't in the game are there guinea pigs because in dragon age there's nugs and they're yeah they're cabbies like they're in that flavor of like capybara. Um, there's skeevers, which are just giant rats, but I'm not sure that. What about uh, animals that are used as agriculture in this game? Like, um, all the okay, the ones that are like uniquely used as agriculture are like insects in Morrowind. <laughs> really? Yeah, really big bugs. Everything else is just your typical standard stock, like medieval Europe. But as for like religious depictions paintings okay no there there's a there's a quest in oblivion that focuses on a painter and he has a magical brush that makes what he paints real Br the brush of true paint it's an aedric artifact supposedly created by the god the uh the god debella debella is the she's the goddess of beauty love and affection so kind of like an aphrodite looking kind of character Interesting. Allows the, the wielder to enter a painting campus and paint things life-sized simply by imagining them. That's the only way that paintings are actually really ever portrayed that, like, specifically 
in uh, in the Elder Scrolls, as far as I'm aware. But like, it's a it has a very interesting quest in Oblivion where you're in like this painterly landscape, and the enemies are all painted as well, and you have That's to kill cool. you have to kill them with like a sword coated in turpentine. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um, but that's so painting. Painting. <laughs> painting. There's there's a there's a painting themed quest in Oblivion. There are no guinea pigs. C colonialism looks a little different in this series in that it's more Roman, and that like they basically the Romans showed up and said, okay, we're gonna leave you alone except we're just gonna tax the out of you. We're not gonna try and make you guys Roman. All right, but now we we have we're in an interesting situation where we're about to run out of uh, stamina. Oh, and, no. so, and we have to take a little nap here in the in the cold hard ground. We'll do that, and we'll see how see how that goes at the end of this commercial break. <laughs> All right. And we're back, but we're not gonna wait until we're fully healed because we are nearly to town. So we're only gonna rest for like an hour. We're nearly to the city of Bergtree. Where did you go? Oh, hey, oh, I wanna know. Oh, Jude. He's, he's muted himself. Yeah, I guess he had to step away in the few moments that I was having an ad. I've returned. All right, good, back. good job. <laughs> I was uh, like, he left. <laughs> every, listen, every time, every so often, is that a monkey? What is nope, happening? These are, these are cats. Those are really weird cats. <laughs> wow, I didn't know you were so judgmental. They look like the cat from the cat guy from what we do in the shadows when it's like <laughs> he transforms into animals, but he can never get the face right. <laughs> um, but no, I had to fix the chain. Every time I fix the chain on like, you know, in the toilet. Yes. And you have to reattach the chain. I feel like a little plumber. Uh-huh. A little plumber. Just a little plumber guy. Now I'm thinking about how I can do a drag depiction of the last supper like take 13 pictures of myself and just photoshop them all together are you pick pack, pick uh, I, I did a pickpocket i they're carrying a um let's see oh actually i should i should uh wear this cloak they're carrying a bit of like horn or something but i've not seen also the, the cops aren't on me yet so apparently no one's reported my crime that's good Dude. what other crimes can you do in this game uh you can break and enter nice murder you know, murder. Yeah. Oh, here they are. Okay, time to go. <laughs> All right. So we managed. We rested for a t for like one hour, just lying on the ground. Uh, got some stuff stamina <laughs> back to enough stamina back to carry us onto this town where I rented a room, and slept for seven hours. It is now uh, two forty-five p.m. Nice. Uh, I'm full health. I'm having to full, I'm full of stamina. I'm having to run a little bit fast because there's cops on me. Halt. That's what they sound like. They sound exactly like that. They just yell, HALT! <laughs> Did they say anything else? Uh, not a... No, not really. Oh. I wish, uh, that I one wish guy, more cops were like that. HALT! Oh, well, then they also beat you to death with axes. Okay, so... What's your my, topic? My topic is... What is... What have commonly been... It has commonly been dubbed battle royale games. This has a fun. This has a fun. Uh, ac actually, a more interesting uh, background in than you might initially uh, know. You are a little bit of a film buff. Are you familiar with the Japanese film Battle Royale? I am. I actually showed that to Theo. Uh, like I saw it years ago, but I showed it to Theo for the first time uh, mm -hmm. shortly before he left. So I've actually watched it in the last weeks oh okay well this is this is topical for you that's where that's where the genre gets its name from a battle royale game is it's an online multiplayer game that uh, usually consists of a large map and a, a number of, of gamers a number of gamers mm -hmm. uh scattered somewhat randomly but sometimes you have some choice in the matter uh, about the map with limited resources that you then have to scavenge from the map and then the Winner is the person or team which is the last one standing in a gradually shrinking player area. Usually, mm -hmm. like, there's a, a, these specific safe areas. If you're not in the safe area, you take damage and die. Ah. Yep. <laughs> uh, the name for the genre is taken from the 2000 film, the Japanese film Battle Royale, which is based on the novel the same name, which has a so, similar theme. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's mm -hmm. basically what happens. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not in a safe area, I think they explode you. Uh, formulative elements of the battle royale genre had existed prior to the 2010s, which is when the first um, when the first sort of like inclusion of this uh, style of game became very popular. 
Uh, gameplay modes featuring last man standing rules have been a frequent staple of multiplayer action games, though usually f uh, fewer total players, such as the early 1990s Bomberman. Uh, uh, the 2000 Japanese film Battle Royale, along with uh, Koshin Takami's earlier 1999 novel of the same name, and its 2000 manga adaptation set out the basic rules of the genre, including players being forced to kill each other until there is a single survivor taking place on a shrinking map, and the need to scavenge for we weapons and items. Soon inspired a wave of Battle Royale-themed Japanese manga and anime, such as Gantz, Future Diary, and Batum. And then the Battle Royale formula eventually appeared in the Hunger Games franchise, which is like, well, that's what the Hunger Games are, as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm aware is a, a sort of Battle Royale that is televised publicly. <laughs> Did you ever read or watch Hunger no. Games? No. It was popular, so I hated it. Um, so you were, you were that flavor of I was the, nerd. I was that flavor of nerd, yes. I was... I was in it. I actually, was. In I didn't. I actually it. didn't hate it. I was ambivalent towards it. <laughs> so, I was ambivalent towards like all the other like teen dystopia because that was the what it gave birth to in turn was like the teenage YA dystopia final girl mm -hmm. situation. Interestingly enough, the uh, the first games that Battle Royale directly inspired were not what we call Battle Royale games. Uh, where like that, like I've just described, instead it inspired a wave of um, Japanese visual novel games like Higurashi when they cry, Zero Escape, and Danganronpa. But these focus more on the characters rather than like the actual gameplay mechanics of running around and uh, killing everyone else instead instead of you. Mm -hmm. um, they're so they're so even though like those actually came out first before like the battle royale gaming genre became popular, and they were focused on similar as like they were inspired by battle royale but in a somewhat in a somewhat similar way but to a very different gameplay i feel yeah dang and rompa is mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a story game where you just sit and, where, where you see a lot of talking and stuff mm -hmm. but you're in a similar situation where you're in a school uh and then all of a sudden you are actually killing all of your your fellow classmates instead of uh learning uh math or whatever <laughs> That's not the plot, but sure. Yeah, no, it's somewhat the plot. It, it's uh, kind of the plot. It's kind of the plot. Like, you, like the, this, as far as I'm, in the, in the short synopsis I read, it's a somewhat dystopian future after a large recession, and to curb juvenile delinquency, they just they decided to take certain classes, uh, like, of, like, protect, potentially, like, just years of graduating students, and be like, okay, we're going to plop y'all into a big area, there's guns and survival stuff all around the place um mm. and last one standing wins you all have to kill each other only one person can survive and we're definitely like if that's definitely a good thing to do as a society and have the person who's most vile most good at killing and surviving to be the one that's allowed to live it's killer in this in this world it's killer be killed yep um, that's, uh, Nietzsche or something, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but no. But then, da da da, shortly after release of Hunger Games, which had a similar premise to the Battle Royale film, a server plugin named Hunger Games, later changed to Survival Games, was developed for Minecraft. Uh, they took oh. inspiration from the film, initially placing players in the center of the map near a set of equipment chests, similar to, like, how in uh, Hunger Games there was the cornucopia where you can get a whole bunch of stuff from this one particular place, but because it's very popular, you're very likely to get shot immediately as someone picks as soon as someone picks up a gun or whatnot. So it's risky, but if you win, then you, you're then you're set basically. Mm -hmm. When the game commences, players can compete over the central resources or spread out to find items stored in chests scattered around the play area. Players killed are eliminated, and the last surviving player wins the match. I feel like once you're killed, you're like okay. Then this one's like, all right, you're out of the match, and then you're just you're you're just like a fly buzzing around your corpse, <laughs> and you're like, all right, um, yep. and then and then there was a uh, there's a mod for Arma Two that got very popular that inspired uh, a lot of these spinoffs. In fact, I think one was directly like spinned off from it. It was called Day Z, which is hey, that's my name, but no, it was Day Day Z if you were uh, Canadian or use Z in your alphabet instead of Z. It was a mod for an, a military simulation game called Arma, Arma 2, released in August 2012. This one does not have, it doesn't quite have the shrinking, it's not, it's about, it's not as much a battle royale in that last man standing wins, but 
you are dropped into a world with minimal supplies and you have to scavenge them. There are zombies, and chances are if you see a player, they're going to want the stuff that you have and try and shoot you for it. The mod was designed to include player versus player encounters, but generally these events were infrequent due to the size of the game's map and the persistence of the game world. This led to the development of game mod mods that sacrificed Daisy's open-endedness in favor of focusing on more frequent hostile interactions between players to determine an eventual winner. So it's a they made mods of mods. Mm -hmm. to make it so that the game was more focused on players encountering each other including the most influential mod was created by a man named brendan green known by his online alias player unknown whose battle royale mode of daisy first released in 2013 mod was directly inspired by battle royale so like he he like cited it as a as a thing in contrast to hunger games inspired mods in green's mod weapons were randomly scattered around the map green recreated this mod for arma 3 in 2014 Green continued to adopt his, his format as a consultant for H1Z1 King of the Hill, which is a, uh, a more professionally released standalone game, before becoming the creative developer at Blue Hole of a standalone game representing his vision of the Battle Royale genre, which would later be released as P P uh, PUBG Batter Battlegrounds, which stands for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, everyone calls it PUBG for short. So this was the first, this was like the, the when uh, Battle Royale games became incredibly popular very fast. Uh, you may have heard of PUBG, and if you haven't heard of PUBG, you've definitely heard of Fortnite. Ah! <laughs> it all comes back to Fortnite. It all comes, yeah, Fortnite is a Battle Royale video game. It's not like, that's basically what, what Fortnite is. You jump in... Uh, you, you, uh, are, the players are scattered about a map. Oh, hang on, what's this? You woo? Oh, it's a random dungeon. Oh! Like, you, dungeons are not usually shown on the map, uh, unless you are, like, questing to that specific dungeon. I wonder what this one's called. We're not gonna spend any time in this dungeon, because that'll take way too long and be way too involved, and it would distract from the podcast too much. This is Castle Kingford. See, this looks like just a tower, but it's probably, it could, it could be a massively sprawling compound underground, so we're just going to, that's water, uh, we're just going to rem uh, remark on having found Castle Kingford. We're gonna move nice. on. Swim, 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 swim. Can you drown in this game? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I learned that you can drown in Dragon Age Inquisition by jumping into the ocean. Oh, yeah. That's how you drive in real life, too. It's very realistic. Um, mm -mm. Okay, so, yeah. for, for, back to Fortnite. Back to Fortnite, yes. Formative elements of the Battle Royale genre have been established since 2017. The genre, genre grew up from two principal titles through 2017 and 2018, which is PUBG, and then, which soon inspired Fortnite Battle Royale. Both games drew tens of millions of players in very short periods of time. It is, it is honestly astounding how very fast this, that this genre became super popular with everybody who played multiplayer games. H1Z1 King of the Hill, which predated these two titles, had become a fixture of the top most played games on Steam by the start of 2017, but has not been able to maintain its player base. For whatever reason, they just didn't have the marketing bucks, or there's just some game design elements that made it less good in, in gamers' eyes than these two games. Have you played Fortnite? I have not played Fortnite, but I've played games that are I've played games that have come since Fortnite, such as Apex Legends, which mm. which is basically which is quite kind of similar to Fortnite except for that there are there are notable differences. For example, uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds and Fortnite both are third person over the shoulder cameras, so you're like kind of behind your character and you're shooting from and like and then your character has the gun and you shoot right. But in uh, but uh, Apex Legends is a first-person game, like like this game even, right? Where where you're viewing from the person's point of view that you're playing as. Uh, PUBG became very popular, and then people started kind of copying it. Fortnite is uh, is generally understood to, because it, it got very popular, and even though it itself was an iteration of the format, it was the one that was sort of seen as like the first big one. And then Epic Games released Fortnite, a cooperative survival game into early access near the release of uh, PUBG. Epic saw the potential to create their own Battle Royale mode. By September 2017, they released a free-to-play Fortnite Battle Royale, combined some of the survival elements and mechanics from the main Fortnite game with the Battle Royale gameplay concept. So before, it used to be that Fortnite was just a sort of you work together to survive in this harsh world and, and like in this world sort of game uh it, it kind of in the same vein as like minecraft <laughs> but yeah it used to be just like a survival crafting game that you played with your friends it was competitive it was cooperative and you could build 
buildings and stuff. In fact, you can still build buildings in the main game and in the in the now popular Fortnite uh, battle royale mode. But that's where that came from. It started off as a survival game. This game saw similar player counts as PUBG, with 20 million unique players reported by Epic Games in November 2017. Blue Hole, the developers of uh, PUBG, expressed concern at this move, less due to being a clone of PUBG, but more so that they had been working with Epic Games for technical support for, of the Unreal Engine in PUBG, and thus they were worried that Fortnite may be able to include planned features to their Battle Royale mode before they could release them into PUBG. <laughs> Epic Games was already a pretty established uh, game developer, and so they had like big, big, a bigger team and more right. money. So PUBG's developer filed a lawsuit against Epic in South Korea in January 2018, claiming Fortnite infringe, infringes on Battlegrounds' copyrights. Market observers predicted there would be little likelihood of them winning the case as it would be difficult to establish the originality of PUBG in court due to itself being derived from Battle Royale, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the end of June, six months later, the lawsuit had been closed under undisclosed reasons. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> and then Fortnite became the battle royale game that everyone plays. People still play PUBG, but Fortnite is the big one. Its mainstream publicity further increased following increased following a stream by Tyler Ninja Blevins with Drake, Juju Smith Schuster, and Travis Scott, which set a Twitch record for concurrent viewership. It accumulated a total player base of 45 million in January of 2018 and uh, 3.4 million concurrent players in February. Polygon labeled it the biggest game of 2018 and a general, genuine cultural phenomenon. Note they don't say a very good game. <laughs> yeah. Cultural it's, phenomenon and good game are not yeah. synonymous. Am Among Us is a cultural pheno phenomenon as well. <laughs> so, like, you know. I do want to play Among Us at some point. Uh huh. But with, with people that I know, not like against random yes. teenagers who are going to call me slurs on the internet. Everyone from NFL players to famous actors playing it, including Red Sox player Xander Bogarts and Bayern Munich's youth team borrowing celebrations from the game. In Asia, however, player PUBG remains the most popular Battle Royale game. Interesting. I didn't, hmm. I didn't know that. I guess Overwatch is like... A different format, yes. eh? Because yeah. you're a, that's a team based. Yeah, thing. those are those are team based. It's it's two teams fighting each other over various objectives. Now it's yeah. This game it's literally either you're either by yourself or or with a small team, usually two or three, sometimes up to five players, are are dropped somewhere onto a very large map, um, and you don't none of you have anything to start with, and you have to scavenge your supplies and your weapons and stuff like that. And the game area slowly shrinks. As far as I'm aware, Overwatch does not have... Like, yeah, Overwatch doesn't have any mode that's quite like that. However, uh, there were plenty of other games that included Battle Royale uh, elements. Uh, da, 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 da. Activision's Call of Duty series features a Battle Royale mode titled Blackout in its, in its 2018 installment Call of Duty Black Ops 4, as does Electronic Arts's Battlefield 5. Other established games added Battle Royale-inspired game modes in updates, such as Grand Theft Auto Online, Paladins, uh, Dota 2, Battle Right, and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. I didn't know Counter-Strike had a Battle Royale. Counter-Strike is a, it's, it's kind of like, it's the same, same sort of vibe as Overwatch in that there's two teams fighting each other, but it's much more like hardcore gamer. Because once you're dead, you're dead until the start of the next round. And it's like, uh, it's much, it's very tactical. The you're usually dead in like one or two shots. Um, so it's, uh, much less forgiving. <laughs> it's also rather old. Uh, it's like it's a, it's an older shooter game, and uh, there's not I don't think there's even aiming down sights. There's no aiming down the sights of the gun uh, except for when you have a sniper rifle. In tw February 2019, EA released the free to play. That's another thing. Most of these games are free to play. They uh, they get their money through. You can spend micro buy buy small amounts of in -ga in game currency with real money to unlock things like characters or uh, cosmetic items like. Uh, make your gun look different. <laughs> Apex Legends uh, was the game that EA released, which exceeded 50 million players' accounts within one month. The second main Battle Royale installment in the Call of Duty franchise, called Call of Duty Warzone, was released March 2020 as a part of the Modern Warfare video game, but does not require purchase of it. Also required more than 50 million players in its first month of release. Whenever there's a new Battle Royale by a very large company, 
everyone jumps on board to try it to see what they think and compare it to the ones they already know. Games and Battle Royale modes have briefly become popular before their concurrent player count dropped and players returned to Fortnite or Battlegrounds. Apex Legends was the year's only new successful Battle Royale game as of 2019. In contrast to other multiplayer-only games, the large number of players typically involved in Battle Royale games generally require a large enough concurrent player base for matchmaking in a reasonable amount of time. Because usually these games have like at least 60 or so players going on on a single map. I think Battle I think Fortnite has 100 at a single in a single map. But yeah, so that's the main thing. Uh, and then Fortnite got massively big, and it's um. I've not played Fortnite at all. I don't know if it's any good as far as fu fun to play, but like apparently a lot of people think it's fun to play because um, they're still playing it. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the some of the biggest streamers out there are um, like Ninja. That was one. He's a he. He, start, he got his he cut his teeth on Fortnite. It's basically as far as uh, competitive multiplayer games go for PC at the very least. It's basically it's battle royale. It's um, Games that are like Overwatch and uh, Counter Strike, where it's the the two the team based two uh, team v team games like Counter Strike and Valorant and uh, uh, Overwatch or Team Fortress Two, but less Team Fortress Two nowadays, but you know, it still happens. And then there's MOBAs, which are uh, I might do a whole episode on later, which is like League of Legends and all of them. Gross. <laughs> all of these games, uh, they don't have. Oh, hello. There's a there's a Steve, there's a rat. Rat oh, rat dead. Yeah, it was going to eat me. What? What the? Hello? Did you see that? Yeah, that was glitchy and weird. What? What was that? Hmm? Okay. Haunted. I th yeah, I think we should go and go to an inn and have a nice sleep. I'm safe in here now. Look at okay. this building full of people. It it is. What time is it? It's seven thirty. We're in a pub. I walk in and everyone stares at me. Yeah. Everyone has no choice but to stare at me because these are two D sprites. They just, they rotate to face me at all times. <laughs> this is, this is what walking into the club in, like, an Amazon hard front is like. <laughs> Frida Loader is about to read me for my wig. One could argue that the game that you and I are about to play, uh, Hunt Showdown, was also, it's not, it, it's not quite inspired by Battle Royales, but it's Battle Royale-esque. Mm -hmm. And that there's players all around the edge of the map, but there's many notable differences. For one, you don't need to kill other players. You don't need to be the last person standing. For two, um, the main game area does not shrink by force. The game area shrinks by incentive because once you know where the, the, the boss is, everyone wants to go to the boss. But uh, people could choose not to if they decide that they like taking too much damage or something and they want to leave. You can um, do my method of playing, which is find the clues and then kill some AI and then leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also you don't have, you don't scavenge your weapons per se. The only weapons you find are very rarely you'll see a weapon laying around, but most of the time if you get a weapon it's because you killed somebody and you took it from them. And mm -hmm. you and you start in with weapons that you purchase with money between rounds. Not quite the same vibe, but it is a large map. The players all around the edges and you sometimes fight each other. So mm -hmm. it's got it's, it's similar elements, but the gameplay loop is like like the, the the whole like objective is way different. So we have made it to Garesmith Manor. I can't. Uh, and we're gonna take. We're gonna actually. First, I need to rent a room. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a little nappy nap. Now, what time is it? It is now uh, one twenty a.m. and we will be headed out next week to go to to continue on our way, which we made we've made some progress. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that by the end of March we'll be at the dungeon. <laughs> It's also, only, like, in-game, it's only been, like, 11 days. Yeah. And I have 48 days to get the job done. So I think I can make it easy. That's fine. We'll be Got fine. It. We'll be fine. It's only, it's only been three days, and we've made it, like, I think we're about halfway at this point. So, yeah. All right. But anyway, uh, so thank you all for uh, watching and listening all along live with us or uh, in recorded fashion if you're watching the video on demand or if you are um listening to the the audio podcast um if you want to watch us live you can catch us at 9 a.m on thursdays at my twitch stream which is twitch.tv slash lackadaisykill we also have uh with a, a misgenders various social media such as tiktok and instagram that you can follow him on <laughs> yeah you can follow me at instagram.com slash misgender underscore wpg you can see a lot of the influence that of his interests of like horror, yeah. mainly horror, on 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 his his art. 
yeah. Horror and being very gay. Gay stuff. Spooky <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm now I'm just thinking about drag last supper. So drag last supper. Ooh, do you have a le- do you have twelve drag friends that are local? Oh, definitely. But I'm also <gasps> like, what if I did it just all of me in different looks? Oh, that. Oh gosh, that'd be such a huge project. Yeah, that, but I that, did. That, I've done like the Jesus look. Um. All right. So thank you all for joining us again. Uh, until next time, uh, may the road rise up to meet you. Bye.